All right, hello and welcome to episode number 34 of the At YouTube podcast, where we talk all things YouTube, including album news, tour dates, important anniversaries among staff, and community discussions from the staff of At YouTube. I'm your host, Chris Enns, and once again, I am joined by Mr. Matt McGee. Hello, Matt. Hey, Chris. How are you? I am well, and uh, Sherry Lawrence, you're out there, too. Howdy, everybody. And by the way, I need to give a shout out to Tim Q., uh, one of our loyal listeners who stopped me in a bank parking lot in my hometown to say how much he likes the podcast. Like, oh my God, you recognize me? <laughs> nice. He said, actually, it might have been the license plate that gave you away. So um, to Tim, thanks for listening. That's awesome. That is awesome. And, I was going to ask uh, how he recognized you yeah. in the podcast, but okay. <laughs> hey, she tweets out the selfie every, usually every time we record. And Tasula's back. Welcome back. I am back. And I'd just like to say if anybody ever approaches me in a parking lot, they're probably going to be the recipient of some of my self-defense training. God love you. But yeah, I, I, I know that's well intended, but yeah. <laughs> so just shout it from across the parking lot. Just, yeah. just wave a nice Sula, I recognize you. <laughs> Tweet me that you're going to be away from the parking lot in a right. public place with a lot of people and I will go meet you there. <laughs> Well, we have listeners all over the world. Apparently, I have. I had a client, a friend of mine, who said he was talking to some YouTube fan or a fan. He found out it was a YouTube fan. And he was telling them about the podcast that they should listen. And they were like, "Oh, we already listened to the show somewhere in Niagara on the Lake or Niagara Falls. I forget which." So, if you happen to listen, hello from the at YouTube podcast. You have beautiful uh, waterfalls nearby. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a few weeks since we recorded, so uh, we apologize for the absence of at you two audio in your ears <laughs> but we're back to hopefully fill them up with interesting discussions um before we get going i just wanted to quickly touch base sherry you had a follow-up or a wrap-up i guess of the african wealth fund progress oh i sure do they just um uh promoted today that they absolutely exceeded their goal and raised, um, I think it was close to $9,800 for the Build a Well for Bono's birthday. So they've since closed that campaign out and thanked all of the supporters. Um, and they'll let everybody know uh, when his birthday card is uh, done and sent. So well done. Thank you, everybody, for supporting such a worthy cause. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Hey, you just... Jinx, you owe me a cook. <laughs> my, my two oldest are, are in the midst of that phase of life, and I had to tell them, in my 39 years of living, I've never received a Coke from any Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> you they just don't crushed. live close enough to me. I always make good on it. Oh, do you? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll remember that yeah. in case. All right, let's move on to the inbox. Um, oh, actually, Matt, did you have any follow-up? We, it's been a while, as it's been a while since we talked, the U240, hashtag U240 uh, event that went on where you live tweeted um YouTube's performance at um Oh that Red was Rocks. so fun. The the Red Rocks thing? Yeah. And he yeah, just I don't was... know, just thought I'd touch base because we I don't know if the people the listeners have necessarily heard about it or saw it maybe, but uh, I know we talked about it on the show, but that was before it actually happened and just any follow up from that. We haven't done a podcast since then? I don't think so. Nope. Slackers we are <laughs> Gosh, no! I, I mean, I thought I thought it went well. The you know people seemed to enjoy it, and it, I I don't know. I had a lot of fun watching the show with everybody on Twitter, and I think we should do that kind of thing again. 
Yeah, definitely. I think even just the like the live tweeting of the day of or whatever was fun. But even knowing that there's a whole bunch of people watching, I, I was I forget what I was doing that night, but I couldn't watch with people. But I was following along on Twitter and just knowing there's a whole bunch of people sort of like pressing play now and watching the concert yeah. at the same time is kind of fun too. So yeah, yeah, we'll do that again for sure. Yeah, they have what was really fun was um, uh, getting here other people's perspective of what they were seeing because we were watching it simultaneously that I had forgotten that I guess Bono's belt must have broken or something, but it was electrical tape that was holding his pants up for the show. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's those little details like that, that I'm like, wow, I totally forgot about that. And for Matt to uh, post something about the director's commentary, I I hadn't even noticed that there was a director's commentary on it. So I stayed up another two hours and watched it again, <laughs> listening Jeez. to the director's commentary. <laughs> I need a life. <laughs> no, none of us need that. Yeah, I just need an example of what to suggest, how to suggest a title in the chat room. So there we go. I need a life. I need a life. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't apply to any of us because we're all normal people recording podcasts about you two that's there's nothing weird about that obviously because we're normal okay moving on to the inbox <laughs> so folks who've uh, sent in questions uh, over the past three weeks obviously using the hashtag ask at you two on twitter um one that's just a quick bit of follow-up from the last episode was from at tju2 uh he or she said uh, listen to podcast 33 read kids and you two i have two words for you all that you left out rock band four because you two is has a couple songs in rock band but unfortunately sherry what's the four words well, response you have well i have four words no <laughs> rock band for wii u yeah so i think it's just <laughs> playstation four, so, xbox uh, one whatever so yeah if you're not cutting edge you don't get any u2 on your plastic guitars i guess no. is the moral of the story so we can start a fund fundraising campaign maybe or something for <laughs> for sherry to get starter yeah <laughs> All right, so uh, moving along. At Tim Jahar asked or said, can you explain the fascination with Acrobat? I've talked to tons of YouTube fans and can't figure out why it has such status here. So, Matt, uh, do you have a response? Uh, um, with Acrobat being played, wanting people wanting to play it live, right? I'm assuming I think, that's what, yeah, they mean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what Tim means. And can I explain that fascination? No, I cannot because I don't share in that fascination. And I think, I'm not positive, I think we've talked about this on some previous podcast, but we know that not everybody listens to every podcast, mm-hmm. and I just don't see the fascination with it. And I think if they ever play it live, it will kind of go over like Electrical Storm did, which means it'll last about two or three shows and they'll realize it doesn't sound good. So I'm thinking it was. But I know eight. I'm in the minority on that. That's like no, every. You're not in the minority. Well, Most of the I, people I know agree with us. We right? are. Well, yeah, you feel the same way I do. But you know, that's all. Whenever we do the survey, that's always the one song that everybody wants them to play. But here's that's the thing: it's because Acrobat is, I believe, the only track off of Octung Baby that hasn't been performed live. So there, there is a small contingency of loyal fans out there who want to hear you two perform any song that they haven't performed live. And so Acrobat has the most momentum uh, because it's such a popular album. Um, and that will continue to uh, snowball until it actually happens until they play like half of it and the casual fans start crunching their nachos and everybody gets pissed because <laughs> the people who really do appreciate it won't be able to enjoy it anyway like your blue room yeah oh yeah well that's it's what happens you know anyway nice. yeah. i like that it's true 
All right, uh, at Lyron, 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 Hollick asks, I would really love for you guys to do episodes where you go through specific albums, shows, or any meaningful event. Would you? And then uh, the follow-up <laughs> tweet from them actually was, just listen to the last episode. It's like you read my mind. So by way of introduction to what's coming up on the roundtable is we're actually going to start our album-by-album album series, going song-by-song song through each album, uh, with Boy, obviously. Um, and uh, so... Indirectly, thank you for that suggestion, but uh, we did actually already have it in the books to plan. So great minds think alike. At uh, JK Claus says, love the podcast. Thank you. Going to Ireland soon for 20th anniversary. Congratulations. Any YouTube sites that are don't miss or skip? And I think there was another episode. <laughs> this is where we need our uh, YouTube fan who's a digital archivist. Yeah, who, who's this was back in index. November. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know if you have a sh- an episode number, but... Um, if you look through goodstuff.fm slash ATU2, you can quickly sort of scroll through all the episodes. And I think back, where would that be? You're thinking November? That's, it would have uh, been the first, like the first two weeks of November because we went the third week of November. Yeah, so maybe uh, the episode called and then I whacked Noel Gallagher maybe. I think that's the one. <laughs> that well, might be it, yeah. <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes so if somebody can find it. That's episode number 17. Um, but around that time, anyways, I think we went through a bunch of sort of suggestions for any YouTube fan visiting Ireland. So definitely check that out. Yeah. And, and, and in early, well, and so we, on the website, we have the Dublin guide, which has been there for, you know, 10, 15 years now, I think. And it's at youtube.com slash Dublin. And that's sort of a static document with, you know, a map and all the, you know, all the sites to see. And then in early November, we published, I believe, at least one, if not two sort of new, uh, fresher versions of like a, 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 like a Dublin guide or an Ireland guide for people that were traveling to see the shows uh, in Dublin and Belfast uh, last November. So there should be two articles in our news archives from last uh, November as well. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I did the sites, Google site search for at uh, YouTube, searching for Dublin which I thought would be turn up, you know, and it does turn up hundreds of articles, so it isn't all that helpful, but the Dublin guides are at the top. So I've got those in the show notes as well as we, as we speak. So Excellent. folks will be able to find those along. Um, I hear somebody typing. I don't, I don't know. If <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Is that, no, you're allowed to type. Um, I just wasn't sure if it was like urgent for what we were about to discuss. Yeah, uh, <laughs> okay. I just thought of, I just thought of- at Bruno Caffey asks, and I think Tasula might have a response. Bono loves to sing for good causes. Not every performance is great. Which charity performance do you consider his worst? Uh, for this person, it's Mensch with German singer uh, at Gronmeyer in Rostock 07. Did Bono rehearse at all for it? I f- actually forgot to go watch this. I was going to check it out, but it's not really good. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the link in the show notes uh, to it. Uh, but yeah, it. Tasula, did you have a comment? I just thought of the fact that Bono participated in the absolute sacrilege remakes of Do They Know It's Christmas. Even though I wouldn't want anybody else doing his part, just the fact that those exist turns my <laughs> stomach. <laughs> and he is on all of he's on all of them. You know, there's three now. So yeah. yeah. So that'll be the worst for you, I guess, is the Yes. How about you, Sherry? Without a doubt, it's gotta be New Day. New Day with Wyclef Jean that was done around the time of the Net Aid. um, Yeah, 1998, 99, somewhere in there. Yeah, awful. And so, you know, (laughs) watching Net Aid on VH1 at Giant Stadium with like 5,000 people taking up the whole stadium, it was painful to watch. (laughs) 
just as much as it was painful to listen to. <laughs> I actually remember listening to that song a bunch and liking Bono's uh, part of it, but maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe time hasn't been so kind. All right, turn in, your, turn in your at you two staff card right now. <laughs> there goes another bad. <laughs> I guess nobody will hear this podcast. <laughs> burning it down as I leave. <laughs> You have to wait until after the person's finished their duties before you fire them. Right. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. You, with how many times you've fired people, you think you'd know. I, well, yeah. And yeah, you can, judging from my success in firing Sherry over 100 times. <laughs> Some sort of you, course you need to take. You can tell I'm not very good at it. <laughs> no amount of antibiotics will get rid of me, Matt. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, at Obadjuan, I don't know how you say that one. So how important is it for you two to make a splash with their new album to have a chart-climbing single? I, I haven't heard that they have a new album coming, but... Um, <laughs> Somebody's working their ass off on it. That's all I know. Yeah. Adam seems to be working, at least. I don't know if anybody Adam, else is Adam working. Adam Edge. We've seen yeah. Edge's computer in a few of those shots, you know? Yeah, I was trying, he had Logic running, or, or GarageBand, maybe. I can't Something, remember. GarageBand. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't Facebook, at least. So I, I think don't know. it's important to you too mm -hmm. that they make a splash and have a chart climbing single but i don't know that it's important to the world because people will diehards will still buy whatever they put out and casual fans will still go see them live no matter what they're singing so yeah so i similar it, it kind of feels like they've they as much as they aspire to be you know part of the mainstream conversation and you know whatever they are definitely kind of have reached that part of their career where it, it doesn't matter a whole lot to in the, in the grand scheme of things. They're short of, I guess, releasing something really awful, um, which even then I think would still sell enough to make it worthwhile for them to have done. Right. They, they're going to break even. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Matt, how about you? What do you think? Um, Tasula crystallized my thoughts eloquently. All right. <laughs> Sherry, anything to add? Uh, yeah. What I find interesting is all the media that's been circulating about this the word relevance hasn't really been used. Whereas when Songs of Innocence was starting the slow promotional process for years, it was all about being relevant. I'm wondering if they've accepted their lot in life and just want to put something out and let people take it for what it is instead of trying to force it down uh, uh, in many different ways, yeah. <laughs> both both in distribution, but also in trying to knock people over the head with what it's all about. I think this one, they're hopefully just going to send it out and let people experience it on their own and come up with their own uh, ideas and conclusions on it. They've they've been super, you know, vocal about it, but yet they've been super secretive at the same time. So I think that whatever their their plan is um knowing where their contract is i think they'd like to go out with a big bang yeah uh clayton's kitty in the chat room which I, i'm guessing is a adam clayton fan maybe <laughs> mentioned uh they they shouldn't want it want to be mainstream the mainstream is awful these days which yeah i agree and i think that's you know, like like we said their legacy is kind of established at this point and and i think just putting out music for their sake and their fans and didn't Bono say on national TV that U2's uh, job is to F up the mainstream anyway? Well, there's a younger Bono. We'll see. Mm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So moving on to uh, at Steve Steza Daza. You always have trouble with that name. <laughs> What's, is there a pronunciation guide for that one? No, but I'm going to ask him or her to just continually send in questions. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Steza Daza. 
<laughs> underscore doesn't talk of having some sta- same staging for the experience tour. Where will, where will the innocent songs fit in, if at all? Which we've we've talked a bit about a, f- a couple episodes back. I want to say um, in terms of sort of how we think and envision some of the new stuff fitting in, or the old, sorry, the last album fitting in with the new stuff. Um, but uh, Sherry, do you have some thoughts there? Yeah, I think it's going to be determined by which audience is going to be getting the next legs of the tour. Um, Adam in the recent goldderby.com interview said that every time that they go out on tour, they pick seven or eight new songs to incorporate in, into the set list. Now, granted on, on 360, that kind of got whittled down to two or three, but if they're coming out gangbusters with the new album, I don't see how they're not going to try to put seven to eight new songs into the set, which means that others will have to either go by the wayside or they'll do a four hour concert like Bruce Springsteen, (laughs) which I don't think will happen. So I think very few of the songs of innocence songs will remain, um, maybe one or two at most. Um, and then they'll see how the audience takes to it. And then, shifted around uh, by the 10th show in on the tour, we'll have a pretty good idea where the set list will will end up. Matt, you have, <laughs> I see in the document you, you wrote, super intelligent comment coming soon. I wasn't sure if you were commenting on what Sherry was saying or you meant you have. <laughs> I, was t- I was feeling for Sherry. To I try love that like, vote of confidence yeah. from the boss man. <laughs> for, well, for those who don't know, we have a Google Doc that has the run yeah. has the list of all these questions, and so you know we leave comments for each other as we're talking for you know so that we know we don't talk over each other and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I just I just put a note in there that I have a super intelligent okay. comment. So it wasn't a comment on Sherry, and that was it. Let's move on. <laughs> yep, that's, that's, <laughs> okay, Matt, you're no, still, go ahead. no. So, so related to all this, right? Last week was it? Last week or two weeks? Whatever it was, there was the the Edge interview in Billboard that came out, and I think it was the very same day that uh, was it. U two Octung or U two France? One of the French yes. sites had this really Octung. brief, yeah, had this really brief Q and A, like you know, three or four quick questions with Willie Williams that I assume they did at that live event for the Paris uh, DVD, you know, back when. And so you have Edge saying, you know, we're busting our arses and hoping to get it done this year. That's still, you know, the goal. That's still the plan, blah, blah, blah. And then you have Willie saying, oh, yeah, we've got a plan. The tour is all set. We're going to be on the road. The stage is going to be the same, blah, 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 blah. And I read those two things and I'm like, wait a second. This sounds so much like the pop and the Pop Mart situation where, they had a tour before they had an album, and I'm like thinking, this, you know, is are we going to get another one of those situations again where they've already booked tour dates and then the album isn't really done and all those sorts? So anyway, that's I just I just wanted to throw that out there that um, I think we should keep an eye on things that way. But they're wily like that. They're trying to throw us off their scent. Yeah, they they could be. I don't know. <laughs> because Willie did say, if I tell you more, I'll have to kill you or or eliminate you. So. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. It'll be, it's fun. I hope. I hope that there, there is like a little bit of fun they're having with it, especially with social media being what it is. Um, I often think they don't have enough time or, or bother, want to bother with all that kind of fun. But we'll see. Adam definitely has seemed to be having a little more fun with that. So, um, okay. Moving on. At Ryan Delgarno asked for some reason on every YouTube album, there's a song I really don't like. Does everyone else get this, or is it just me? Um, I, I think. 
there's at least for me anyways there's i can say that there's definitely songs i don't listen to as much i know some of us in in the podcast crew here definitely hate some songs um i don't have the soundboard to remind us all of that but uh, matt maybe <laughs> just for <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> for uh interesting do you have any songs that you're not a, a huge fan of well, I mean, my my feelings toward Sleep Like a Baby Tonight are legendary at this point, thanks to you, Chris. And which one is for the loss? I, I was trying to figure that out myself. Free. That's, 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 that's for the loss. Sleep Like a Baby Tonight for the loss. Oh. For the win. Oh, gotcha. God. for the so, loss. Oh, that's clever. FTL, gotcha. for the loss. Okay. okay. No, um, I, you know, I don't know. That, I, I don't know that. I mean, there's only a couple... U2 songs that I really dislike so I wouldn't say that there's one on every album I mean there's but I think I agree with you Chris I'm the same way I, there's you know every album has songs that I want to hear less than others but yeah I don't I, I was trying I to just think, think that's normal a good way to phrase this maybe is like uh, is there a song that you would actually actively like you're sitting and listening and you would actively get up or you know pull your phone in your pocket or wherever your music's playing from to skip a oh, song yes. by U2 so Tazuli you have a, on every album yeah uh, not every. I can't say that about War or Unforgettable Fire or even Joshua Tree. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to come clean on for me? For me, uh, on the recent album, it's California, which I know will hurt people. But I <laughs> never listened to that song. Ever listened to that song. Um, the only time, the only exception was when I was actually in Santa Barbara. And I thought, I have to listen to it. Because it starts with Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara. Um, and then I turned it off like halfway through because I was over it already. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there, there is a, a man and a woman from uh, whatchamacallit, whatever that album was back in, <laughs> back in 2004. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah exactly. Like, so, yes, I will fast forward that one because it's so cheesy and it, it gives me a Vegas lounge vibe when I'm in the middle of a really good rock album. Did you say fast forward? Is that how does what is what is that? <laughs> for, for the millennials out there, back when we had cassettes, you would have to push these buttons. It was a fast. commitment to skip a song. Yeah, there was a commitment. It was yeah. it was an actual yeah. An it took actual work. Commission. Yes. And I like I said um, sarcastically in our notes, I have the opposite problem with pop in that I only like one song, which which is gone. I love gone. But, yeah. Well, yeah, if, that's a good song to like. If you not even Great please, song. you don't. Oh, not not let's my. Not, let's save it for the pop discussion favorite. that you yeah. won't be yeah. on. No, I won't be attending that. I don't think. But yes. <laughs> How about you, Sherry? Any? Uh... Uh, let's see here. Uh, Unforgettable fire. I fast forward through Elvis Presley in America. Hmm. Um, Joshua Tree. I will fast forward through. Um, Trip uh, in God's country. <gasps> wow. That's painful. Wow. Who does that? I know, right? Now you get fired. We're, we're not going to have well, any no, staff. No, 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 no. The, the reason for that, <laughs> the reason for that is because I watched the, um, un, the um, Joshua Tree special that was on MTV so many times that I just wanted to get through In God's Country to get to the next section. And then that just carried over with the um, with the CD, right? That reminds me of our field trip, so it will never it will never tarnish in my brain. <laughs> Such a like, happy memory. 
Uh, Even with um, Zuropa, I will fast forward through Daddy's going to pay for your crashed car. <gasps> what? That's another one I love. Stop it before. Well, that's because my dad was nearly killed by a drunk driver, so I really don't want to. Oh, jeez. You know. Way to bring it down, Cher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but it just goes to show you that it's not necessarily because you dislike a you song. Like, yeah. like, I will skip Volcano. But Oh, but, my God. But We're for, not going to be friends anymore. <laughs> This but for others, there there oh. are more more specific personal reasons why yeah. why I do it. Next, you're going to okay. say oh, you can't stand where the streets have no name or something. Oh my gosh, you know. that's it! <laughs> Bring it out. I mean, Brian Eno did have a point. No, <laughs> oh my New Year's Day on War. Why don't you just do that? New Year's actually, Day, I, I skip do. live actually, but uh, <gasps> just to throw that one out there. This is oh like this gosh. is. Who are you people? Right? This is oh I like being smacked up. Contradiction, really good, as Bono says. This was a really good question because it's not like the same answers we gave for our what live song would you throw out the window if you know blah yeah. blah blah. It's totally different. I don't know if you're paying attention to the chat room, but I'm writing a new job. To, I'm writing a job description right now in the chat room. So. <laughs> I hope you are. I, I'm not, but I want to. I want to know what you're asking for. <laughs> Maybe we should just skip the what album discussion and, and just yeah. have some therapy here amongst our <laughs> amongst ourselves. <laughs> Great idea. Group hug there, around, there like a baby. Are there any therapists in the fan community that <laughs> would like to come on as a guest? <laughs> Help <laughs> us work out some therapy. Yeah. All right. The final question for this episode is at not from at not Mason Merritt is uh, which boy track do you most want to get revived in a live setting? And theirs is Twilight. Uh, Tasulo, why don't you start us off? Any? I love stories for boys, and I think it would be hilarious to see them do it at this age. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I that'd see be that. fun, and it's a fun song. I mean, it's a it's an upbeat. I think it would be good live. Now. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, anybody else? Come, anything come to mind, Matt? Do you have a, a particular? Track? I don't know. I you know, I mean, I guess we'll talk about our favorite songs when we get to that album section. Yeah. They've played so many of them actually over the last few tours. They right? have, they, yeah. right? You know, they played the ocean. They played uncut into the, Dubs, heart. into the heart. They played. They you know started doing electrico again a few tours ago. Um, I, I guess I would probably say Twilight too. I that, that's one of my that's one of my favorite songs. So I, I'll, I'll go with that one. Yeah, I would agree too. Just in terms of how they would pull it off live, you know, in thematically as well as just musically, I guess, just to see. Be it would fit. Yeah, that's true. Sherry, anything jump out for you? Uh, I'm going with shadows and tall trees. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're all just <laughs> thinking about no, shadows and tall trees. Trying to imagine what it would sound like live. Is yeah. That I, like, yeah, I just thought. Well, that I like that song. I'm, I'm not discrediting that at all, but I just think it would be boring live. <laughs> I had the, in my notes, in which I'll spoil the discussion later, I guess, but there's the bridge building in that song that sounds very reminiscent of modern U2 sounds, but everything else is kind of, I, I have a hard time picturing how they do it. But I guess that's what it, could also be really interesting just to see again how they could pull it off if they... The, the visuals would be awesome. I would like to see what Willie came up with for that, mm. you know, if they did screen stuff. Yeah, screen time. Screen time. All right. Well, thanks, folks, for sending in questions. Those are some awesome ones. And uh, you can participate in that if you would like to on Twitter. You just send a uh, tweet, as they say, with hashtag ask at you too. And uh, that'll get captured in from Twitter and uh, we'll grab it and use it in future episodes. It could be a question, a comment about the podcast, 
something that you disagree with or something that you really agree with and uh, comment for Matt about Sleep Like a Baby, any number of things you can send in uh, and we'll use it in future show for discussion. So thanks to the folks who sent it in. If you have sent in other questions, there's a bunch. I know we're a bit of a backlog because we haven't recorded in a while. Those are still there. We'll get, hopefully get to them in future episodes and uh, keep sending those in. We love it. All right. Uh, for the roundtable, as we sort of teased out at the beginning and mentioned, I think, in the last episode, uh, is we're going to start going, doing a bit of a album-by-album album discussion uh, over the next little while, pending, I guess, <laughs> something like a new album dropping in the middle, then we might have to disrupt <laughs> right. and, and talk about Feel that. Feel free to mess with our plans, YouTube. Yeah. Go ahead. Make our day. <laughs> Ideally, we won't you know, if we keep on our every bi-weekly kind of episode release, we won't have to wait that long for the new album in, in, in a perfect world. But who knows? That's a discussion for a, another podcast. But yeah, we'll be going by album by album, song by song through YouTube's discography, uh, boy to song of Songs of Innocence. So uh, this week is, this episode is, uh, of course, boy. So um, we'll, we'll save the, I was thinking we could save the song by song kind of discussion for after, but I'm curious, just like, a bit of the history um, about you two at the time. Obviously, this is our first album, etc. But uh, so, someone I don't know who would want to start us off there. Matt, you've you've written a book about you two. I, I heard. So <laughs> I mean, that'd be a good place he to might start. be a good person to start with uh, for some resource information. We- I did, didn't I? I remember that. That was that was fun. Um, yeah, it was so. And and, and uh, you know, your questions to kind of sort of guide things are, are I guess, a good good jumping off point it was um you know so it was released on october 20th 1980 and they started recording it i mean they recorded it in like three months um four months maybe i think they started in june i want to say and they had signed with island records earlier in the year in march um i think it was you know whatever the exact exact date was i don't remember but they signed with island records they did the first single with island which was 11 o'clock TikTok, and that was with martin hannett who was uh joy division's producer and he was supposed to produce boy as well but then he stepped away um because uh the lead singer ian curtis committed suicide so martin hannett was out and i don't recall i was trying this is what i was trying to to figure out and you guys will I hope be able to help. I don't recall ever reading any story about how or where they found Steve Lillywhite. It's in YouTube by you too. Is it? What do do you recall the story off the top of your head? Let's see here. I'm looking in the paperback book, page one twenty eight. I feel like he told me when I interviewed him, didn't he? I don't. I I don't I recall. I feel like. I feel like. Yeah. This this is this is one of the things. I gotta look is, at my own interview. Well Sherry Sherry actually fired me today because as I was researching for this episode, I realized that in the past five or ten years on the website we have done a twenty-five year history of we did a, a special feature on war when it was 25 years old we did another f- special feature on war when it was 30 years old we did a special feature on october when it was 30 years old and we never did anything about boy so <laughs> clearly i did not have myself uh 
my my planning and organization together. So according to Edge, this is starting now, once again, I'm in the paperback version of YouTube by YouTube on page 127. He says, Martin canceled last minute. I think he was completely devastated and recording with U2 was just something he wasn't up to at the moment. Steve Lillywhite's name came up. He had just done Susie and the Banshees, XTC, great groups we really admired. And we had a chance to road test the relationship with Steve with our second single, which was A Day Without Me. Right. And and then uh, Bono okay. said Steve was such a breath of fresh air. He came in like a children's television presenter. <laughs> okay, everybody, take out a box of cornflakes and get an old container <laughs> of orange juice and chop the top off it. If you glue them back together, you can make a phone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I love some of these quotes in this book. <laughs> so, okay, so that makes sense. So it was they were familiar with him because he had worked with artists that they were listening to at the time. So, and the reason and the reason that I sort of mentioned all this stuff about the producers is because I was I listened to Boy a couple times during the day today in anticipation of our conversation, and I just think that you know, I know not everybody loves Steve Lillywhite, but I just think he did a fantastic job on this album. I think it's I think it's just beautifully produced, and when you're the producer of a band's first album, like a you know, yeah. uh, they have they had no idea what they were doing in yeah. the studio. They didn't have a sound. They you know, the producer of your first album really, really sort of sets your identity right out of the right out of the gate. And I just think he was just a a really you know inspired choice. And I you know I so I, I was just as I was listening to the album today, I'm like, you know, just what a great what a great you know, combination of him working with them and, and creating this sound and, and all that sort of stuff. So. And the fascinating yeah. thing is, is that Larry didn't think that Steve was up for the job. Yes, I recall that. I recall hearing that as well. Um, yeah, uh, uh, he, he said, I was 18 when we recorded Boy and wasn't confident at all about my playing. I was hampered by my inexperience, my inability to loosen up. I had good ideas. I just couldn't play them like everyone else. Um, it was Steve's idea to record my drums under the studio stairwell. It felt strange at first. We were just getting used to recording together, and the next thing, I'm under the stairs. And then there was overdubbing, and I was asking, what the hell's an overdub? And then Steve would patiently explain, that's when you, put, uh, <laughs> that's when you play on top of something you've already recorded. I had no idea how these things worked. I was out <laughs> of my depth. Steve was a great producer, and he had his tricks, and he knew how to use them. The big drum sound, that was his. There you go. Interesting. And actually, just by way of mentioning Steve Lillywhite, he's a great follow on Twitter, uh, at Sillywhite, mm-hmm. and, uh, and touring the world. And he happens to be in Jakarta right now. I, we, Matt and I both discovered this today, and we're, or at least that's where his Twitter account says he is. Um, and curious if he's doing music there or what's going on. But um, anyways, it's, uh, he's entertaining and happily tweets back to fans and, and stuff like that. So, um, He's always been happy. He's always been happy to talk with us and yeah, to Sola. To Sola interviewed him, and I mean, we've interviewed him a few few different times for the site. So, yeah, nice, very accessible, yeah, and very patient. He's going to produce our first album too. Yeah, <laughs> we should get him to produce the podcast. Right, <laughs> be improved. Yeah, he'd, quit. Well, he'd walk out after I fire all of you. Yes. <laughs> The uh, Matt, there's some other stuff. I know you have some of stuff in the notes, and so just kind of like following through some of that. And something of very keen interest to me as a guitar player, and just sort of drew me to you two and figuring out how to do this crazy echo reverb sound that I, for me, was like you know streets have a name and, and Aktang stuff. But obviously, started way back when um, his st- how he got the echo st- unit thing. What what's the story there? 
Yeah, well, because I was going through, I was going through my book today just to see what I had. Oh, you wrote a book? Yeah, I did write a book. Did <laughs> I mention that? It's you two, you two, a diary. You can find it on Amazon. What's um, the ISBN number? I, you know, I was just gonna say I don't remember the. I don't remember. We'll the, put the links in the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and do that. Um, <laughs> I'll get a call from like the the publisher Matt. There was a sudden spike in sales. You sold four copies this week <laughs> instead of one. I have a question from uh, diary fans out there. Uh, Amazon.com and Amazon Canada both have the first edition. Amazon UK says it's the second edition. Is there a discrepancy, or maybe that's just your site that uh, needs to get updated? No, no, no. Sorry. That's that's true. The set the second edition was only published in the UK. Oh. Okay. Matt's because- huge over there, like David Hasselhoff in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. I have a vision of Matt running down the beach now, but I won't share that with you. Yeah. No, no, get that vision out of your mind. <laughs> That's the first thing I do, though. I have to confess, I go to you know, I go all over the world now for my day job, and every time I'm in a music store or a bookstore in another country i go see if they have his book oh get out of here then they never do right <laughs> uh they did in in england they did in england because right. yeah? it's because you're so big over there it's huge not it's... so much in iceland not so much in japan <laughs> but there was yeah. a croatian version by the way of which i have five <laughs> copies on my shelf right over That's here so cool all right. Well, if anybody is listening from Croatia and wants a copy, <laughs> we'll figure out a way to get you a signed copy, maybe of some, somehow. I don't, don't imagine you have. Uh, How did we get sidetracked on this? Huge anyway, for, anyways. Anyway, so one, so one of the one of the things that 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 uh, that I discovered was that as they were working on the new songs for um, for the boy album. Uh, Bono came to Edge and he said, and they were working on a day without me. And that's when Bono said, "Look, I there, I have this this sound in my head where it's sort of there's a there's a a repeat or an echo going on." And and they just had this conversation, and so that's what prompted Edge to go buy the uh, what's it called the Memory Man Echo Unit or whatever. And you know, from that moment on, U 2s sound has forever been changed. And so that's you, you know, in terms of. Um, you know, importance of, you know, this album and maybe one particular song, that's, you know, that's pretty huge. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think of, like, just the, the random happenstance kind of stuff that they stumbled into in their early days that, you know, went on to clearly define them as a band that, yeah, you know, exactly. he could have just discard, tried it once, couldn't figure out how to get the echo to work right, you know, tossed to the side, and then, you know, Joshua Tree as an album probably wouldn't exist. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, and, and many other songs, you know, in this in the form that they came out anyways, so... Um, yeah, very cool. And other recordings, any other recording stories or stories of that, you know, getting the album made that anybody has? They talk, I'm sure they talk in Sherry, if you have the, if you have YouTube by YouTube open, I'm sure they talk about the, the upside down bike that, um, where they were, you know, you can hear it during I will follow and the bottles that they used. And yeah. there's just all this, these different clicking sounds and other strange sound effects throughout the album. And, and I think that upside down, upside down bike story is like the one that uh, Lily White and the band has talked about pretty regularly. Yeah, the sound effects on um, the ocean, there's like the bubbles and there's some sort of clicking noise as well that I was listening to. I had it really loud when I was listening to it this afternoon and I thought something was wrong with my hard drive. <laughs> like It was that kind of like rhythm and I was like panicking like, and I remembered that actually I have a solid state drive, so it's actually nothing spinning. But <laughs> it was that exact kind of 
whatever rhythm that kind of freaked me out for a while. But um, yeah, they didn't, they have, <laughs> it's a, definitely something that was, they did a lot in the earlier albums, but haven't done a lot of, you know, sort of like that extra effecty kind of stuff, sound effects, Foley work, <laughs> as it were, on albums um, that I recall. I'm sure there is examples of it in later work, but um, they're a bit more experimental that way in the first early days, that's for sure. How about um, naming the album? Where like settling on boy and and where that came from and and how they figured the name of their first album out. Well, that was something Bono has said uh, several times that he had the image of what he wanted the album cover to look like and the name of the album uh, two years before they even recorded the album. He wanted it to be innocent. He wanted it to um, be the introduction of the band. And based on that, that dictated the album artwork and uh, mostly everything about the actual recording of it. For um, fans who happen to have uh, Stealing Hearts at a Traveling Show, the graphic design of YouTube um, on the 451 Creative, there is some great information in that book about the boy album cover. Um, That's a great book for yeah. information about all the, all the now, albums. Um, I think it's Steve, Steve, um, Steve Avril. Um, wrote here says when it was released in 1980 the boy album sleeve was exceptional after the messy vibrancy of punk graphics with its cacophony of color and over um, overtly expressive use of type its cool silver tones and image of vulnerability suggested delicacy and openness in some ways it echoed the neoclassicism of peter savile's work for joy division but whereas his imagery drew on classical references in a fairly direct way with boy this was apparent mainly through the colors and the symmetry of the boy's pose although suggestive in compositional terms of classical art the use of a young child looking directly at the viewer lent it emotional impact if one of the themes of the music and sleeve was vulnerability and inexperience the design was assured for the debut album of a young band not least because the band's name was scarcely visible. Avril actually argued against including you two on the cover at all. And in the end, it was placed just visibly against the boy's hair. And in the U.S., the album cover was highly controversial because of the pedophilia um, uh, feeling about having a child without clothing and, and so on. And that's why for the U.S., album for boy it's it's got the four band members kind of you know blurry like that and what i find interesting is the juxtaposition of boy and songs of innocence and how songs of innocence kind of had a similar um a freak out from a particular group of people about a pedophilia type of thing where you've got a a topless boy you know and uh and a topless man hugging the boy uh, for those who didn't know that that was Larry's eldest son and, and of course, Larry hugging his, his eldest son. But the um, um, if you look at Boy, or rather if you compare Boy and uh, Songs of Innocence, they can almost be bookends um, and, and, and is a wonderful way to spend a couple hours listening to them both um, side by side yeah that's what actually that's where my brain went 
squirrely is because in my iTunes albums listing, it has the North American cover. And I was right. thinking about the artwork as the question that we were going to talk about. And then I was like, what? Wait, where? My brain stops. So <laughs> um, the reception of the album and, and when it came out, uh, Matt, you had a couple of stats sort of from of reviews uh, from the time anyways, when it was released and, and stuff like that. And Yeah, we, we, have a, we have a couple of the reviews in our news archives on at U2. If you go to the news section and then choose 1980 and, and just click the button. Uh, Hot Press gave it 11 stars out of 12. The Irish Times gave it a really good review. Uh, NME gave it a really good review. I'm I'm sure there are others. You know, yeah. of course, it's 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 hard to track down stuff that's, you know, that old at this point. But um, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was very well received, and I think justifiably so. I think you know I, I've seen you know more recently over the years you know when like Rolling Stone or Billboard or somebody you know VH1 or whatever they'll do the you know these lists of the you know the great greatest debut albums of all time you know boy always is somewhere on the list you know whether compared to others who knows but it's um yeah i just i i think it i think it deserves all those all those accolades i think it's you know for uh, the thing that that strikes me is that they were so freaking young right Mm -hmm. like when boy it was released like larry was just about to turn 19 i mean he's as old as my son is right now my son is 18 and it just—it's mind-boggling that that this group of eighteen and nineteen-year-olds put this album out, and it's as great as it is. I yeah, I just it's—I don't know. I'm just—I'm a big fan. <laughs> no, <laughs> can you tell? That's what uh, we won't. We'll, I think we'll just get into the song discussion because, like you said, we're we got to keep moving. But uh, that idea of and it's something we'll try and do with each album as we talk about it is a bit of just like putting yourself in the head of a person listening to it for the first time. At that time when it came out, I was, I was uh, four years old or so, and I don't recall my parents playing it for me <laughs> to put me to sleep or anything. And uh, um, but uh, so in, in that sense, but yeah, the, the songs, especially the way that they carry through today, just in obviously we're a bit biased as YouTube fans, but um, feel a lot of them feel as relevant. Some of them feel a little dated in their production style, but um, yeah. Anyways, let's get into the songs, shall we? So we'll, um, we'll go track by track and, and just kind of as much or as little as we want to discuss. And I'll, I'll let you guys sort of jump in as, as you want to. And um, starting with, of course, I Will Follow, which is a song that I think most YouTube fans have heard. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't know who wants to start us off. Matt, why don't you uh, jump in? Great, uh, great opening song for your first album. Great way to introduce your band to the world. And um, I mean, we talked about some of the sound effects and the production on it already. And you know, obviously, it has a lot of personal meaning for you know with the lyrics with with Bono. It's you know, it's it's one of those. I I kind of feel like. I, you know, personally, I, that I, like I kind of take it for granted because I've heard it live so many times now, and they play it every tour and all. But it, you know, again, when I was listening to the album today a couple times, it's really a great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else comments on on I will follow. I miss Bono being able to play the guitar on it. Oh, good point. Yeah, because that's one where I thought he actually did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, where he was, he actually added something, and it wasn't yeah. kind of just like 
he didn't know what to do with his hands, so he had a guitar <laughs> <laughs> kind of feeling. Yeah, Twilight is uh, track two on the album. And... Uh, Now, something every fan should have in their collection is the um, is the Into the Heart book, uh, the stories behind every U two song, and in it, it talks about how Twilight was a um, a song that was um, a a curious track about how older men would sometimes follow younger men and um, invite them to, you know, do things that they might not have felt comfortable with doing. And so um, there's that type of an overtone. Um, uh, Stokes writes, no one in Ireland thought of the song as dealing with homosexuality or the confusion of sexual identity that so many adolescents feel to one degree or another, yet it's there in the lyrics once you come at them from a certain angle. And, um, you know, for for them to start writing such heavy lyrics uh, as track two on your debut album, uh, it it certainly tells you that this is... Uh, a band who has something to say. Yeah, not your not your ordinary band. Yeah, all right. Uh, moving on to uh, Ancat. How do you say it again? Ancat Dove. Ancat Dove into the heart. Uh, one of my all-time favorite U2, I mean, it's technically two different songs, but, you know, they segue into each other, so we're just going to call it, treat it as one song. One of my all-time favorites in U2's entire history, and the thing that, see, what I love about this, these two together is, like, the rest of this album, you can tell, you know, that they're kids and that they're 18 and 19, because, like, almost every song on the album, it sounds like they're in a hurry to get finished. Right, like they rush through. I will follow. Twilight, they rush through. Out of control stories. Right, like most of these songs, it's like you know, hurry, hurry, hurry. Let's get through the song. But then, on Cut Dove and Into the Heart is just this slow and meandering, and and I, I just, I, it's just so different for me, at least from everything else on the album. And I just love the the little interlude right in the middle from about the four minute to the five or six minute mark where the songs sort of segue in together. And it's, I just think it's beautiful. I just, it's, and for, I, it's like, again, like I said, they're so young and for them to be able to write this combination of songs together when everything else almost on the album is just this, this rush of energy. I just, it just blows my mind. This, these two together. I love, love, love these two songs. And what's the, is there the, the story behind, you know, having it separately originally, like on the, I guess the, tape and album version or whatever listed two tracks and then now together is there any do we know any details about why and how that sort of transitioned or i don't i've i've i don't know that i if if they've ever talked about that it's it's not anything i remember stokes wrote the segue from uncut dub into into the heart had more to do with the um the ex oh god i can't even pronounce this word isn't that sad exegenesis exogenesis of the performance than 
with the theme. The sequence worked on stage, and therefore it made sense to do it that way on the record. Oh, interesting. Remember when Bono would lay down on elevation and put on women's lipstick during those songs? <laughs> that was kind of amazing. Well, this is this is a song um, that um, Bono has said was about a little uh, uh, affair that he had after he and Allie had broken up very, very briefly. That um, he had a fling with with another woman. He was woman. like fifteen or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh my god! He he was so guilt filled that he had Good. done that. Um, especially seeing as he had reconciled with Allie, <laughs> that that the um, the symbolism of the black cat going after a bird and doing what cats do with birds um, that. It's 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 a song mourning the loss of um, of an innocence, and the putting the two songs together. It's like half of it is the is the act of the betrayal, and then and then the other part of it is the um, is the forgiveness of what you had just done. Yeah, which again cuts to like what Matt was saying. Just like <laughs> how does a eighteen year old. Um, you know, nothing against Matt's, Matt's son or whatever. You look at some, an 18 year old or 19 year old, you're like, where is that in, in you or whatever? Like, <laughs> right, how are yeah. you coming out with this as a band and then lyrically and, and thematically and, and stuff like that? And, and having it like, like not that 18 year olds are dumb or don't have creative thoughts, obviously, but like, you know, often it's kind of more on the naive and innocent side and you're, but this kind of, yeah, to have it all flesh out and, and come through as it does on the album is is just yeah a testament to what obviously the band was going to be um next one up is out of control which uh for i know for me was uh, actually boy as an album is a, it's an album i hadn't listened to a lot of and but hearing out of control live when they brought it back what a couple tours ago um and and hearing it performed and it kind of like reignited my interest in going back to the archives of u2 as it were and but this song to me is just like even when i put it on now from the boy album not the live version necessarily but like um from the boy album it just feels like such a like the most to me it's my favorite song on the album i think and the most relevant song today even still and and again kind of like what you were saying with i will follow is just like a, such a great way and that in the original release anyways would have been the end of side one and kind of like it wasn't a you know we're going out quietly kind of song obviously to choose as your end of side one and uh back when albums had sides and and yeah still is just like a such a fun kick butt song in my opinion yeah, so i agree great great staying power and uh yeah and i i and i agree with the 100 when they brought it back i think it was the elevation tour wasn't it yeah when they st- i think that was the first time i saw it live and uh couple friends of ours scott and uh answer guy <laughs> told me that they'd never seen me like so happy as when i first heard out of control live so yeah wait until you hear uh, sleep like a baby live that is gonna <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can wait trust me <laughs> all right uh I don't, sorry i don't mean to cut anybody off so feel free to jump in if there's other things you would like to add but so uh, we'll keep moving um stories for boys is the the next song on the album Sometimes the ladies, it's real. Sometimes I'm 
so um, once again, Stokes writes in the book that the Rio. band's manager, Paul McGinnis, mm-hmm. was always convinced that the song, Stories for Boys, was a song about masturbation. Oh, Gays, too, identified with it, reading a she homoerotic slant into the lines. And, and so, the podcast is now PG-13. <laughs> there you go. Um, he also quotes Bono saying, this was it. For the gays in our audience, this was definitely a love song to a man. I thought of stories for boys as just simple escapism, and it's not really. We were very conscious on one level, but there was a whole subconscious thing going on, too. There really is a sense in which the songs write themselves. I had never read it that way, but now looking at the lyrics, you can kind of, I guess you could see that in them. Next up is The Ocean. How about uh, Tasula? We haven't heard from you in a while. I love the ocean because it's it goes back to literature, which a lot. This was the first actual yeah. song that they had uh, released that that went directly to a piece of literature. Of course, the picture of Dorian Gray. Um, Dorian Gray is one of Larry Mullen's nicknames in, internally, apparently, because he, you know, doesn't seem to age much, or at least he didn't for many years. Um, and it's it's just a, a a quiet, mature kind of. To me, it sounds like young men trying to be mature. Like if if I were sitting in a room with a bunch of teenage boys right now, and they were trying to write something really profound. And they borrowed, like, let's borrow something from literature. That's how I envision this panning out. I have no idea if that's actually what happened. But I think it's sweet. And I've always liked the song. And I'm glad it, it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Okay, next up is The uh, Day Without Me. one yeah so this one i i love um and this is where i think they actually start developing a little more sophistication because it's a very upbeat song melodically but it's a very depressing song lyric wise because it's actually about a suicide and you would never guess that from listening to it and bouncing along with it but um but very profound and very simple simple without being simplistic right one of my favorites too. Yeah, I, l- I love a day without me. It's a great song. I, the recording s- style of it, anyways, sounded like one of the most '80s styling sounding songs on the album in terms of maybe just production and stuff. I don't remember specifically what it is. Yeah, that little hook in the song that kind of just sounds kind of '80s style ish. That. So, you know, a lot of, I find anyways, and again, we're biased, I keep sort of prefacing everything with that, but like, I find a lot of their music doesn't scream 80s music to me compared to a lot of other 80s stuff, but every, so when it does, it kind of just, I guess, maybe sticks out more in my mind and that's what this, that particular song does. But, um, next up is another time, another place. club release we could talk about that the vinyl last year any anyone anyone else get the vinyl in the mail am i the only one getting mail from you too is this this what's happening is is my doorstep just somehow a receptacle for all these magical treats 
No one knows what the hell I'm talking about. Of course we know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, you're all just dead silent. <laughs> like, I, I was just waiting for you to go on. That's all. We, yeah. final, right? Like I am mentioning. Well, I think that, first of all, I think that was an odd thing for them to pick. To just commemorate this somewhat forgettable song. <laughs> like, why that one? Of all the songs they could have picked from their first album, why that one? Yeah. Because the the songs think, were done for, at another time and at another place. I think, yeah, I think it was just uh, literal. I think the title, yeah. That's that's grown worthy. You're probably yeah, right. I, I don't Girl. feel too I don't feel too strongly one way or another about another time, another place. I think that's isn't that the song that has Bono like doing Bongolese at the end of the song, and we've never figured <laughs> out we've never figured out what the lyrics are, and so that's tends to be what I think of the most with that song is these mysterious lyrics at the end of the song. Nonsense. I swear that it's a ay ya ya ya. Such nonsense. <laughs> he was just trying to do like a white album thing, and it went awry. That's my theory. Well, the um, um, Stokes's take on it is is that another time, another place was slang for sex in Dublin as a teenager. It's about finding Sherry. a place you can be with your girlfriend, which was a real Jeez. problem at the time. <laughs> not Page everything. 19. Uh, well, I'm not, well I'm not, according, not, according to Niall Stokes, everything, everything was yeah, about that. It's, yeah. it's starting to be a little Freudian on this podcast. I think it is, too. <laughs> So let, let's move on to other sources. <laughs> <laughs> Niall was maybe working through some issues. YouTube by YouTube. I think now. he was. Yeah, I yeah. think he was, Chris. <laughs> Niall was frustrated when he wrote the book. <laughs> I think he was. You <laughs> <laughs> okay. should have him on the, the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Answer yourself. Right? The electrical. There's nothing, uh, nothing going on there, right? It's all just. It's amazing. Best live song. Anytime, I know, right? I'm telling you, anytime they start those first few chords that Edge hammers out, I am jumping up and down. I mean, I love Me this song live. I love it so much. I prefer it to Out of Control and I Will Follow. You know, well, when, on the nights that they alternate one or the other, I would much prefer this. It's a song about anger and injustice more Which than is anything probably else. why I like it. Yeah. <laughs> But um, it, it lights up the stage. I mean, does anybody does. disagree with me? I no, mean, it's no. I'm totally with you. It's awesome. It's fantastic it, live, and I, yeah. What was interesting was so it they was recorded this in 1980, right? <laughs> that apparently one of the muses uh, with this song was the uh, character Alex in A Clockwork Orange. Which, if you fast forward to, what is it, 1989, when Bono and Edge wrote the music for A Clockwork Orange 2004, you know, that that type of of, um, throwback goes all the way back to the beginning of the band's career. Cool. Uh, Okay, so finally, the last song on the album, Shadows and Tall Trees, which we talked a bit about before, but... um This is one song, given the um, Innocence and Experience tour, that I'm really surprised didn't have a um, a place in the set, simply because um, that that the title was taken from Chapter Four of Lord of the Flies. 
Um, which is probably why Lord of the Flies was one of the books that Bono ripped up or kicked at the end of the stage during Until the End of the World. That that it, it was um, something special between Lipton Village um, amongst themselves, uh, where where it was um, a gang mentality in Dublin during those those early days and and you needed that pack in order to survive. So if you're telling the grander story of the band's history and and you know, let's reminisce about the past type of thing, this song encapsulates so much about where the band was and is a really good closer to this album. Yeah, and maybe just the music style or whatever like we talked about earlier was harder to figure out a way to incorporate or something i don't know because yeah looking just reading the lyrics through it definitely seems like something that would fit um in the sort of history section of of the show but last time they performed it live according to youtube.com anyways is july 27 1980 <laughs> yep yeah I, this was the first one like it's funny that we're talking about it like visually being represented because I every time somebody brings it up or I hear it I actually picture the handwritten lyrics to it because that was the first time I'd ever seen Bono's handwritten lyrics was um, oh interesting I think my second time in Ireland it, yeah it was when I was there for Slane and we all went to um, what used to be the Irish rock and roll museum or whatever I mean it's new now and different but they used to have a different rock and roll hall of fame type thing where they had a wax Bono and, and the lyrics for this song were right next to that. And I remember just standing there in front of them for a long time, just looking at how he, you know, must have scribbled them out. So anytime anybody brings this up, that's what my brain goes to. Don't know why I just told you all that story, but felt <laughs> I had to share it. No, it's relevant. I think that's what's what we hope to do in, in, through this series. And, and I don't know if anybody, if you want to have a <laughs> closing comments on on boy as an album but what we hope to do with this series is inject a little bit of you know personal interest story along with ob- like the obvious history stuff that you know if you really wanted to find out you probably have already with some of this stuff but i know for me um being more of an actung baby era kind of joining the youtube fandom a lot of the earlier history stuff is isn't as familiar to me and and i don't necessarily have every single book youtube book on my shelf and so it's good to have to remedy that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say you need Matt McGee's you to a diary shipped to your house? Make sure it's printed in, in Polish. Yeah, the Croatian edition, please. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're just going to get all kinds of things in your... Now your doorstep is yeah. going to be the receptacle. <laughs> Talk through the, the future albums, uh, uh, all the albums, I guess, uh, as we go and, and inject a little bit of personal interest as well as you know stuff that you already know and, and maybe have heard, us, heard before or heard our spin on it anyways so um we'll be doing obviously album by album chronologically and uh so you can sort of look forward to and, and plan out your, your weeks of podcast listening ahead i guess uh but yeah anybody have uh any sort of closing comments they want to throw in here for uh i think it's really interesting that in um uh the um off-camera interview with sam jones that that Edge did um, a little while ago. Edge had um, had expressed that he and Adam were um, improvising during um, during Enkadub and in, and into the heart. That that was the first time that they really improvised and worked off of one another. And yet Bono had had said that the music had been really worked through. 
<laughs> so when he showed up at the studio, the music might have been done for him, but that it wasn't wholly planned how the uh, how the orchestration ended up on that song. So uh, I think the band themselves should get together and get their story straight. That's that goes for every interview, every one of them ever did. <laughs> but yeah. I agree with Very you. True. Very true. Sherry with her Captain Obvious comment. <laughs> right, Captain Obvious right there, yeah. No, but that's true. That's a fair point. Um, I think it's cool that for a debut album, I still regularly hear I Will Follow and Out of Control on the radio. Mm-hmm. Here and there. And that, I don't think every band can say that, I mean, unless you're the Beatles or unless you're, you know, the Stones or something. I don't think every band has a lot of their debut album stuff playing this many years later. Yeah, especially combined with like, there's the one hit wonders who it's you only hear their debut album because then they disappear. But I think yeah, combined like what you're saying that combined with the fact that they've been going this long and still going, uh, and they have such bigger hits. You know these yeah. these weren't big hits uh, yeah. by our scope, but yeah, definitely. Matt, any uh, closing comments for you? Uh, n- no, I I think I said enough already. But I do th- I I do <laughs> in, in the uh, in the show notes, Chris. I'm going to ask you to include a link. Uh, to something that Rolling Stone published in 2008. This was when this was when the Boy re- reissue came out uh, for uh, you know the the repackaging the whole nine yards, and um, and so David Fricky did posted a review of the reissue on RollingStone.com, and apparently Bono was reading this review on their website and decided to leave a comment on RollingStone.com, and it's this really long comment that Rolling Stone said, you know, look, it's way too long to post as a comment on the review, so we're going to p- publish it word for word as you know Bono's review <laughs> of the Boy album, and it's re- and it's I mean it's yeah it's really long and it's really really great and so i just i think um i think that you know that it's a really great summary of what bono thinks of the album and what the band was going through and uh, you know the good and the bad and all that sort of stuff so it's really worth reading so for people that missed it back then uh hopefully we'll just put the link down in the uh, in the show notes yeah and he's got his i'm just just pull one little pull quote from it he's got his usual um humble uh, attitude and review of The Edge because he, he says, surely this is the most influential guitarist since the great composers Jimmy Page, yeah. Pete Townsend, Neil Young, <laughs> etc. But I mean, in hindsight, obviously, yes. Um, and mm. and very true. And But yeah, just the <laughs> it's, it is interesting reading this through knowing that it's Bono, not just some reviewer, music reviewer or right. fan or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. It's, it's really good. Yeah. And there is a mention of sex and virginity in there, Sherry, so you weren't too oh. far off. <laughs> I know my sources. <laughs> let's let's not let this be a thread for the other albums. <laughs> oh, until we get to Zuropa. Until we get to Babyface. Until we get to the fifth member being censored in. Yeah, the tongue, I was going to say. There's a, f- a, little there's bit a lot of on. sex in that. I, I'll allow it for that one. <laughs> I can't even look at um, octungbaby.com because my uh, uh, your filters yeah my filters will not allow me to um, to view it. Well, that means you're a good parent that you have those filters. (laughs) I, I, on the other hand, don't have children, so I can see whatever the hell I want. (laughs) It's awesome. All right, Uh, we did we we discuss that on the podcast? Did that came out? Matt? No, we did not. Oh, no. well, let's discuss it quickly here because we, <laughs> okay. we've gone over tra- time enough as it is. Might as well 
make it worth it. We're, we're, we're only like an hour and 15 minutes yeah. in at this point. So anybody oh. that's still listening, for the seven people still listening. I'm sure I'll edit out 45 minutes of it or whatever. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, all of these, all of the Niall Stokes sex commentary. <laughs> he'll, make a, he'll make a PG version right. and a rated R version. <laughs> No, it's uh, actangbaby.com is a, a site that uh, popped up on the internet recently. Yeah, some guy that, that I know pretty well. <laughs> no, it's just um, a, 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 one of our readers came to me like a year or two ago and said, hey, I registered this domain ages ago, but I'm not going to do anything with it. Do you want it? And I was like, yes, I want it. Well, of course I want it. You know, so I don't even remember what I paid for it, but we, you know, we negotiated, and I, so I bought the domain from him. And, um, and That's where our bonuses went. <laughs> Hush you. <laughs> so, I'm still waiting for my 1999 residuals. Uh, Niall Stokes got all our residuals, so there you go. Um, no, so I just and so I just have been looking for a reason and an excuse to devote some time to it, and it occurred to me that this was the 25th anniversary of Octung Baby, so I thought, what better time to do it? And so yeah, so I just threw together a, the the website about Octung Baby. It's I mean it's not anything that I think is ever going to be updated. It's not like there's any more news about Octung Baby that's going to come out at oh, this point. Just so you wait. wait yeah, you right, right. Who knows? There could be more remasters and reissues. Mm-hmm. But but yeah. so I mean so and it's in just, the photo it, shoot. It wasn't just Adam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a million hearts started palpitating. What I like is that there's different things that cover up Adam's business depending on the the version you got. Oh, anyway. really? I have a shamrock yeah. on mine. Yes. That would be a good that would be a good podcast title when we do the <laughs> Octung Baby podcast. There's different things that covers up Adam's business. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, in wrapping up our boy discussion, Fabiano mentioned the remastered album, the deluxe edition does have a bunch of extra tracks obviously that weren't True. included that uh, for the sake of brevity we'll, <laughs> yeah we'll leave for another episode maybe we'll have the remastered edition of this episode <laughs> sometime down the road 20th anniversary with all of edge's commentary right yeah exactly <laughs> um to discuss but uh definitely uh it's out there and uh, available. Well, we're in trouble for octing baby if that's the case we've yeah. got oh, serious <laughs> there'll be a couple episodes maybe on that one i think um Cool. All right. Well, thanks uh, to Sula, Sherry, Matt for joining me in this discussion. And thanks to you folks for listening. Um, actually, before we end... Uh, it's our title. We, oh, well, don't worry. We'll get to that. Oh. That's for the live folks who stick around way longer than the rest of <laughs> Where can folks find you on the web, uh, Tasula, if they need to uh, critique your suggestion? At Tasula on Twitter, T-A-S-S-O-U-L-A. And Sherry, how about you? At Matt McGee. <laughs> and <laughs> Matt, how about you? I am at number one Nile Stokes fan. <laughs> no, I I'm at Matt McGee. All right. Doggone you at you two com Sherry. <laughs> and I'm uh, iChris on Twitter and uh you can follow the at you two crew on Twitter at ATU2, conveniently enough, and uh Facebook.com slash ATU2com. And uh, you can find this episode on the internet later if you're listening much later, goodstuff.fm slash ATU2 slash 34. You'll find links to all the stuff we discussed, some of the books and the things we talked about. Obviously, if you don't have it by now, there'll be a link to 
iTunes, et cetera, to buy the album. <laughs> By some reason, you don't have Boy and you've listened through this long and thought now is the time to buy <laughs> the album. Uh, you can do that. And uh, definitely please subscribe to the show. If you're in iTunes, leave us a comment. Rating review in there is great and helps get the word out about the show and uh, tell all your friends. And uh, we look forward to coming up next is October. And uh, we'll see who from at you two staff shows up to chat. I already, have a, I already have a commitment for that show. As in you want to be on it or you're busy and you don't want to be on it? No, no, no. Well, I, I think I can be on it, but, oh. but I, invited, um, I invited our old friend Answer Guy to be on tonight because I thought Boy was his favorite mm-hmm. album. And no. he said, no, 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 no. October's, October's, October's my favorite, favorite album. album yeah. so, right. he wants to, so he wants to be on next time. All right. So there you go. If you have questions related to our thoughts about October, now you know in advance that we're going to be discussing that. Send in any, maybe your favorite song from the album, any particular story from the album you, you want to relate or, or send our way. Ask at you too is the hashtag to use on Twitter. And uh, you can send that in and we'll use your comment and discussion in the future episodes. So I think that's it for now. Thanks for listening this long and uh, we'll see you again next time. Bye. Bye.